Hi and welcome to the 11th episode of Digitalization Tech Talks. My name is Jonas Narender and I will actually be your solo host today and I'll explain why in just a moment. So in this podcast series, we always look for new and exciting things to talk about, typically related to digitalization and digital technologies. So in the last episode, for instance, we discussed the innovative MXD facility, which is located in Chicago. And for you, uh, for those of you that don't know MXD, it stands for Manufacturing Times Digital. It's essentially a collaboration of industry, academia and government that hosts the digital factory of the future. And they recently added a process industries test that, that focuses on the digital worker concept. Now, we also covered the digital worker concept or the topic of the digital worker in episode seven. So go back and listen to that as well if you'd like to find out how digital solutions and smart devices are being used with increased frequency in the process industry. Now, speaking of process industries, occasionally we do like to cover a specific digitalization use case, and that is the situation with today's episode, where we will focus on control performance analysis. And I mentioned earlier that I'd be the solo host for today's episode, and the reason is that my usual co-host, which is Don Mack, will actually be our guest today. So, Don, welcome back as a guest this time. Uh, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about uh, why we're discussing today's topic? Thanks, Jonas. I am eager to talk about today's topic because I think that digitalization, despite now becoming more of a standard term in all of our daily vocabularies, can still be a tough concept to get started with. I, th I think everybody generally understands what digitalization is at a high level and what it's trying to achieve. But when, when it comes time to actually implement it, in other words, like when you're trying to figure out where the rubber meets the road related to digitalization, it can still be a challenging point to, to realize. So my role with Siemens is, is a dual role. Dual role. I'm an industry manager and I'm also an alliance manager. I've been with the company for over 30 years and that's always been within process automation and the process industries. And during that time, I've had the opportunity to work with end users in a variety of the process industries, including chemical, pharmaceutical, glass, oil and gas, metals, pulp and paper, brewing, water and wastewater, just about every industry you can think of that falls under process industries. In my alliance manager role, I work closely with one of Siemens Alliance partners to help keep their plants up and running, as well as to find ways to help them run their plants better. So, so tell us a little bit about how the topic of control performance analysis fit into those conversations and discussions that you're having with the Alliance partner, and I guess also other companies as well, because I'm assuming you're not only having these conversations with the Alliance partner for sure. Yeah, that's definitely true. And in, in general, when we're talking about digitalization, we're looking at ways to use the technology to address common issues in a low cost and efficient manner. And one of the common issues that process industry end users encounter is poor control loop performance. There are studies that are out there that have shown that only about 50% of control loops are well-tuned. And in our own analyses of plants in a variety of different process industries, we have found that about a third of control loops are being operated in manual mode, and the majority, sometimes the vast majority of their loops are not optimized. So that seems like there's quite a bit of uh, room for improvement there. But why is it that this is such an important area to focus on? Because you know, what's the downside of having loops in manual or uh, having them run non-optimally? 
Actually, there are several reasons why this can be a problem. Uh, first of all, let's look at it from a product quality standpoint, and the, and the quality can definitely be adversely affected. A control loop that's unable to reach or maintain a desired set point means that key variables like temperatures, pressures, flows, other key process variables required, required to produce a quality product aren't being reached. And additionally, non-optimal control loops are putting extra strain on the process equipment that they're associated with, things like valves and pumps and motors, which will impact the lifetime of this equipment and lead to reduced equipment availability. And also, while the process equipment is working extra hard to maintain control, energy and raw material use increases, which adds additional costs. And on top of all that, poorly functioning control loops can be very taxing on operations personnel and pull their focus away from the overall operation of the plant. Well, that certainly sounds like less than desirable situation for sure. But if this is such a big issue in the process industries, other industries, why are end users not taking action to address it? I mean, to me, it seems like a fairly you know, straightforward thing that they would want to do. Yeah, I think there are actually a couple reasons for this. Um, first one has to do with lack of resources. If I look back to the beginning of my career in the late 1980s, one of my responsibilities was in assisting our customers with control loop tuning. On many occasions, I'd visit with them to assist in, in tuning their loops. I'd meet with the controls engineer and we'd review how the control loop was operating. And back in those days, that was often looking at a strip chart recorder that was monitoring a single loop controller or a group of controllers. After a while, we determined which loops needed attention, and then we'd go about finding a solution. Often this was accomplished by, in, in those, those cases, using a tuning technique called the Ziegler-Nichols tuning method. So after some time, we would have the loop uh, tuned and move on to the next one. This process was pretty time consuming, but it worked great and it was easy to do since the controls engineer and I were both trained on these tuning approaches. Now today, the world's different. The control engineers do not have the time to do this due to the number of hats that they wear. As a result, they're often not trained on how to correct non-optimized loops. And the end result is often that the loops are put in manual or left running in this non-optimal automatic state. So it sounds like part of the issue is that end users may not have the workforce to correct the control loop issues, but it still seems uh, uh, that the auto loop tuning capabilities have been around for quite some time now. At least that's kind of what I'm seeing. You might have seen it as well. So why are the auto tuning capabilities not used more often to address some of these issues? Again, it seems like a fairly straightforward thing to do. Yeah, you're definitely correct, Jonas. Uh, these have been around for some time, um, many years, I'd say. And, and sometimes these are used and, and they do address the situation. Uh, but often what ends up happening is these are an integrated part of the process automation system, the DCS, for example, uh, distributed control system. But what ends up often happening is it requires a disruption or an, at least an interruption to the process from a, a set point bump that has to be done in order to complete the tuning. Yeah, OK, that, so that, that totally makes sense. Um, so uh, why is it that uh, the auto tuning of control loops is so much more efficient than doing this work manually? Uh, because again, it seems like the automation uh, is the solution to many of the challenges that are keeping the process controls engineers awake at night. Yeah, there are actually a couple reasons for this. Um, first of all, identifying the loops that need attention can be a very time consuming process. Uh, and then when you especially consider that plants in the process industries often have hundreds or maybe even more, maybe thousands of control loops, it could take up to a day of effort just to identify whether a loop is performing optimally or not. And then once per poor performing loops are identified, it can take another several hours of time to optimize the loop. 
And on top of that, the looped optimization can only be accomplished with, again, this, this interruption to operations. And if all that isn't enough, uh, loop optimization isn't something that's like a one and done activity. Over time, processes are going to continuously change and equipment's going to operate differently as it ages. So keep, keeping the, the loops optimized is a perpetual activity that has to be repeated periodically over time. Yeah, it would certainly appear that there is a solid use case behind automatically tuning control loops with all the works that go into the manual labor. But but I, I have a question around um, like more the control loop optimization itself. I mean, isn't that more about adjusting the process conditions to the current state rather than trying to fix any of the underlying issues that are preventing the process from running up optimally in the first place? If we look at control loop uh, optimization in a vacuum, it's really about maximizing control performance under the given conditions. The process of optimizing may uncover some underlying issues, and there are also other tools and techniques designed specifically to address underlying issues. Uh, for example, we talked about control valve monitoring in, in an earlier episode, and that could be one technique if it is discovered that the control valve is the area that has the problem to discover what the underlying issue is and get to the real root cause. Uh, some a, a, Another tool sometimes is useful. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. Well, um, let's try to steer the conversation now into the more of the meat of the digitalization topic, uh, which is, of course, the root of this show, as, as you also know. Um, how do digital technologies come into play as it relates to process control analysis? I'm sure that with some of the increased accessibility to uh, more digital technologies such as cloud computing, perhaps even machine learning algorithms, there's got to be a positive impact of what can be done in terms of auto-tuning these loops, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then this is where we're taking advantage of the technology to do the work for us. Today's control systems, unlike that single loop controller or strip chart recorder application I discussed earlier, are, are often state-of-the-art process automation systems. Uh, DCSs, distributed control systems, or, or programmable logic controllers, and they have data historians. And, and the data in the historians is often very underutilized. But what we, what we can do now is we can take that data and we can convert it into useful information from which we can gain knowledge. And then once we have that knowledge, we can use that to make actionable decisions that will result in positive improvements in our plants. Now, for this specific use case, there are tools that can analyze the data for a handful or all of the plant's control loops if they want to, and then in an easy to read dashboard format, highlight which loops are working well and which are not. The Siemens tool for this is called Control Performance Analytics, or sometimes we abbreviate that CPA, and it displays the results in a pie chart with traffic light colors indicating which loops are performing well, which, on, which loops are performing so-so, and which loops are performing poorly. And from these dashboards, you can take a deep dive into each control loop to understand any issues that were found in the analyses and get a better understanding for them. Okay, so it sounds like you are making use of those specific digital technologies that are available and apply them to identifying poor performing loops, which is great. But, but what about taking the next steps and being able to provide information about how, how to correct those loops? Is that also possible? Definitely, you know, it's, uh, one, it's one thing to identify the loops, but then you need to be able to take some action on those. And um, the way this is accomplished is through an offline optimization capability that does not interrupt operations, and it results in suggested values for the tuning parameters. Ultimately, then it's up to the end user, or maybe they bring a consultant in if needed, uh, to determine whether or not to implement the suggested changes. 
All right, that seems like a good use of digitalization and then also uh, bringing in people if needed, right, to kind of uh, figure out what to do with the results. So I'm assuming there are some significant time savings compared to doing this manually? Uh, there are. Uh, the approach I described earlier um, with, the, with the single loop, you know, with, the, with people kind of doing this manually would take many hours to complete for each loop. And now, now that can be completed in minutes. And the result is that the plant's loops will run in an optimal state that can be easily maintained over the life of the plant. So, so definitely some some benefits to the operator, it seems like. But but where does that where does that leave the operator of kind of the things that he has to do going forward if there were auto tuning capabilities available? Because on this show we talk so much about technologies, right? So much perhaps that we sometimes forget about the human aspect of the whole digital transformation conversation, which should definitely not be ignored because people are still on the receiving end of the digital solutions. They have to be the ones that use them. So if they're not on board, it'll be difficult to make any digital transformation successful. So how does loop analysis tool, such as the one we talk about here, how does that impact an operator's job? Yeah, the results of doing the control performance analysis will actually enable operators to do their jobs better because they don't have to constantly be in firefighting mode just to keep, keep, their, keep their control loops stable. Instead, they can focus on the bigger picture and, and how the overall process is running and not be so focused on these individual loops. Okay, well, that makes sense. Thanks for clarifying that, Don. The um, whole topic about the operator experience will be part of a future episode of the podcast, so make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Before we close out the show, though, are there any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners, Don? Sure, you're going to say a couple of comments. Um, since, since we're talking digitalization, I'll also mention that the, the, the Siemens tool for this use case, CPA, is cloud-based. And what that means from an implementation standpoint is that there's little that would have to be added to an existing Siemens or even a third-party process automation system installation. There's no hardware. And for data collection, an export from the data historian or the installation of a data collector software on the HMI servers is all that's required. And the cloud data is accessible through secure means via a web browser. And one last comment, uh, earlier in the episode, I mentioned about valve monitoring and combining that uh, with control performance an analysis to be able to uh, find the underlying issue that might be, might be going on. And, and I guess the point I wanna make there is that sometimes uh, you can combine these tools to, to solve multiple issues, and, and that can be a, a real benefit. Just pick the ones that you need and, and combine them. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, uh, Don. Thanks for clarifying that. And also, listeners, if you want to go check out episode nine about valve monitoring, that's there uh, available for you to listen to. With that, Don, thank you very much. It was it was very fun to have you be on the other side of the mic this time. A little bit different, but it was really good. It was good to have you though. Yeah, thanks, Jonas, and I look forward to rejoining you on that side of the table for our next episode. Yes, awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. And if you need some support in defining digital use cases like the one we just talked about today or other similar ones, feel free to reach out either to Don or myself. Our contact info will be included in the show notes. And with that, I just have a couple of final notes. As always, remember that if you want to be notified about the release of the next episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. 
And if you liked what you heard today, please rate the show on your favorite platform. We'd love to know what you think about our content so we can continue to deliver relevant topics. And then one last thing, if you are listening to Spotify, make sure to answer our poll questions, which we have included in this episode. It can be done directly on the app on your phone. You simply tap on the episode description and the poll question will appear right below it. And that's essentially all. Thanks for listening to everybody uh, to another episode of Digitalization Tech Talks.